The following resource is from lmpc.org and we're delighted to provide it freely to all. If you feel led to give towards the ministry of Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church, we welcome you to do so at lmpc.org slash give. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness. In the Arabah opposite Suf, between Paran and Tophel, Laban, Hezeroth, and Dizahab. It is eleven days' journey from Horeb by the way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. In the fortieth year, on the first day of the eleventh month, Moses spoke to the people according to all that the Lord had commanded him in commandment to them. After he had defeated Sion, the king of Amorites, who lived in Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, who lived in Astroth and in Erdriai, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab, Moses undertook to explain this law, saying, The Lord our God said to us in Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Turn and take your journey and go to the hill country of the Amorites and to all their neighbors in the Arabah in the hill country and in the lowlands and in the Negev and by the sea coast, the land of the Canaanites and Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. See, I have set the land before you. Go in and take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. My name is Chad Middlebrooks, and I'm one of the pastors on staff. And if you're visiting with us this morning and I have not had the chance to meet you, I look forward to hopefully being able to have that opportunity and privilege after the service this morning. Well, this morning we are beginning a new sermon series in the book of Deuteronomy. And no, we have not abandoned the remainder of Luke's gospel. Uh, we hope over the next three years to uh, finish the Gospel of Luke as well as the book of Deuteronomy. And we will have in between there a renewed series in the book of Isaiah as well. And so we will kind of take chunks and going back and forth between both of those books. And I want to draw your attention, if you look in the back of your bulletin, you see this uh, sermon series description. I want to encourage you to read that, um, not during the sermon, but sometime this afternoon. Uh, but that will give you a roadmap of where we're going and also a breakdown of this, uh, this book of Deuteronomy. But you may be asking the question, why are we studying the book of Deuteronomy? And I would encourage you uh, to go listen to a podcast on our uh, podcast channel, Pillar and Ground, because this, there's a podcast last Monday that answers this very question and discusses the importance of this book of Deuteronomy. But about nine months ago, as a church, we began a three-year campaign of renewal called Renew. And along with the plans of to restore this beautiful building that the Lord has entrusted to us, we are also seeking the Lord to revive our hearts spiritually so that our resources would be released increasingly to carry out the mission here in this mountain community, but also down in the city and all around the world. Now, you also may remember last fall when we launched this campaign that Brian referenced the year 2042. In 2042, Lord willing, we will be throwing a huge party to celebrate 150 years of God's faithfulness to Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church. 
And meanwhile, now we are petitioning the Lord to bring a fresh wind of renewal and revival in the hearts of his people here. And so to that end, we are turning to the book of Deuteronomy. That's because Deuteronomy is a generational guidebook for covenant renewal. And in this book, we, like the people of Israel, can learn what it means to seek the face of the Lord and to follow his leading where he is taking us. And so the reality is, is in 2042, we want to hand off to the next generation of believers here at Lookout Mountain Presbyterian Church a legacy of a thriving, vibrant, outward-facing church that is faithful to the mission and the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so for that to continue as a reality, our hearts must be continually renewed in repentance and revival through the power of the Spirit as he applies God's word to our lives. And so as we seek this renewal in our hearts before King Jesus, let us go in prayer and let's pray to that end, both for this day and in the coming days. Let's pray. Father, your servants here this morning are listening, and so we ask and plead that you would speak by the power of your Spirit. Would you bring healing to hurts and wounds? Would you bring encouragement amidst circumstances that we are facing that seem hopeless? And would you remind us of your faithfulness, even through this book, in our journey as we take uh, on the book of Deuteronomy, to see how your continued faithfulness and grace and mercy has been poured out from generation to generation. And we are no different. And so we ask that you would come now in power, tend to your word, that we might be changed by it. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Are we there yet? How much longer? Parents, we've all heard those questions posed to us by our children as they're eagerly awaiting, whether it's in the car or on the plane, waiting that vacation destination. But... Those questions as that that frustration and that experience of having to wait for something eagerly anticipated, it's not just relegated to children. Because we as adults ask those same questions, even if subconsciously, while we're in between transition. And as we all know, it's not fun to be in transition. It's often hard. And so we don't like the in-between time. And as we'll see this morning, the in-between time is a time of listening and learning, not for acting and reacting. And this morning throughout our study, as we continue in Deuteronomy, this in-between time we'll see is the normal part of a life lived by faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, it's in this transition time, in this in-between, where God often does his very best work of maturing his people and sanctifying us for the destination that he is taking us. And so in our brief time before we come to the Lord's table this morning, we're going to study these first few verses here uh, in 1 through 8 in the beginning of Deuteronomy. By these two points, we're going to look at the context of Moses' sermons as we see the need for covenant renewal from generation to generation. And then secondly, we'll look at the content of Moses' first sermon, which reveals that renewal always remembers the redemptive story. So as we begin our study, it is crucial for us to understand the context so that we rightly situate the book of Deuteronomy in redemptive history. Now remember, Israel has just been freed and released from over 400 years of slavery in Egypt under the thumb of Pharaoh. 
And they've spent the last year in Mount Sinai as they've entered into covenant relationship with God to obey the commands that he has given to his people through their mediator, through their leader, Moses. And the book of Deuteronomy consists of three speeches or three sermons from Moses to the people of God as he's nearing the end of his life. And chapters one through four, Moses is calling the people to look back, to remember, and to learn from their past. And then in chapters, the end of chapter four through chapter 26, he calls his people into a relationship of covenant loyalty through listening and learning as they look up to God, hearing his faithfulness and abiding by his law that he's given to them. And then in the last chapters, 27 through 34, we see that Moses in his third sermon calls the people to look ahead as they anticipate obedience resulting in rewards, but curses and punishment for disobedience. And then we see the transition of leadership at the very end of the book. And so in these first few verses, we're told that the people of God are situated in Moab. They are, that's east of the Jordan, just right there on the edge of the promised land. And in verse two, we're told it takes 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. And in the 40th year of the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all that the Lord had given him in commandment to them. Now there's a lot for us to glean just from those two verses right there. First, we see based on what is spoken there that this is the 40th year, which means that now Moses is speaking to the next generation of God's people, the second generation of Israel. And we also learn that the journey from Mount Horeb, otherwise known as Mount Sinai, was 11 days to get from there to the promised land. But we know that it took 40 years for Israel to get there. Why did it take so long if this was an 11 day journey that it took 40 years for them to get there? It wasn't because GPS wasn't invented. They meandered and wandered around because they rebelled against God, disqualifying themselves from entering into the promised land. And so therefore God judged them and said, you will not enter in Numbers 14 He said, in this desert, your bodies will fall. Not one of you will enter the land. So here is the the next generation, the second generation, standing on the plains and on the edge of the promised land. Their faithless parents died in the wilderness, but God spared their children as he was going to make good to preserve his holy people and to make good on his promise that he made to their forefathers. So Moses, at the command of Yahweh, is now exhorting this next generation Avoid the sins of your parents so that the same fate doesn't happen to you and that you might enjoy the blessings as you enter into the promised land from your faithful God. Verse four, we find that Moses delivers these sermons after the defeats of some very powerful kings. Right, he had a victory over King Sihon, the Amorite king, and King Og, and clearly their moms didn't like them, naming them those names. But these victories that God gave his people were to be a clear indicator that God was going to remain faithful to provide protection and power to his people as they entered the land so that they might defeat the inhabitants that were in the land. God is with his people. He's not calling them to go somewhere that he will not go with them. In verse 5, we're told that Moses undertook to explain the law. Now, throughout Moses' sermons here in the book of Deuteronomy, He is going to speak to his people, but he's speaking the law, not just merely to repeat himself. 
He's actually expounding, he's bringing clarity to this second generation as they prepare to enter into the land. And this review of the first generation's failures wasn't simply just to be ancient history. This next generation was to learn so that they didn't follow the same path and they would live differently as they walked into the land. That's the way that a covenant works. And so the same is true for us today because we can look back on church history. We can look back even on our own individual lives and see the ways where we have failed and we can learn from those failures. And as it was to be a warning for Israel to enter into covenant renewal, so we too are to listen and learn from the past so that seeing the Lord's favor and his blessing in our lives might allow us to respond with obedience in our present. But the problem is, our sinful hearts, we are quick to speak and quick to type, but very slow to listen and to learn with a posture of humility. And our culture doesn't help us in this endeavor either because our culture says, speak first, listen later. But Moses was speaking to the people of God. And God still today speaks to his people, not through Moses, but through the greater Moses, Jesus Christ. John says in John 1 that Jesus, this word, is a person. And Jesus, the word, is the one who continues to speak by his spirit through these scriptures to his people. And Paul says his word as he testifies to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3 is breathed out by God. And it's profitable, it's useful for teaching, rebuking, training in righteousness and correction. And so the book of Deuteronomy is a book written at the border of transition from Mount Horeb to the promised land. It's written for a people who are in transition, who are in the in-between time, that often very difficult time to wait and to see and to listen. And not unlike Israel, who was in transition, we as Christians... We are awaiting the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. And yet God has commanded us to participate in bringing his kingdom to bear on earth as it is in heaven. And as we face spiritual battles seeking to bring the conquest of the kingdom into everyday life, we too need remembrance. We need renewal if we are going to faithfully persevere and proclaim the rule and the reign of our king, Jesus. Do we see our need this morning for covenant renewal individually and as a body of believers? Where might we be failing to listen and obey God's word as he is prompting us in our lives? Because it's not convenient. It doesn't fit into the grid of my desires and my personal plans. Where might we as a church be failing to live out the mission that God has entrusted to us here in Lookout Mountain, Tennessee? Where do we need to repent and take God at his word by believing and trusting in his provision, his protection, and his power over, in, and through his church to carry out the mission that he's called us to? This is the context in which Moses is speaking to the next generation as they prepare for this mission. But next, look in verses six through eight of the content of Moses' first sermon here, which reveals that renewal always involves remembering the redemptive story. Verse six, Moses acknowledged that it was the Lord our God, he says, who commanded us to leave and go to the promised land. 
Moses uses that covenant name Yahweh, which denotes this tight, intimate connection and relationship, covenant relationship between God and his covenant and chosen people. It was Yahweh who called Israel from the mountain to undertake the mission. Their mission was to take the land, to settle in the land, and then to be a light to the nations around them. And whereas the first generation forgot whose they were and failed to complete the mission, now the second generation is called to undertake this mission and not follow suit with their parents. And so in verse 7, we see the pathway that God reveals that they are to walk as they enter in to this glorious land that they've been promised. In verse 8, we sense this urgency here. If you look in verse 8, it says, See, I have set the land before you. Go in, take possession of the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to give to them and to their offspring after them. God reminds this next generation of the gracious promise that he made years earlier to their forefather Abraham. And let me remind us what those words were. God said to Abraham, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you and I will curse those who dishonor you. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so to this point, God has fulfilled his promise of making Israel a great nation. They continue to multiply. And he's been with them in their midst with his presence. And he's given them victories over their enemies, over Pharaoh and Sihon and Og. And so Moses recounts and rehearses this past so that his people see the timeliness of where he's leading them right now. And now God is going to make good on the remainder of those promises that he gave to Abraham. He's going to give him a land so that his people will be a light shining. They can radiate the grace of their God to the world around them as they look to them. Now in this text, in the next four chapters, Moses reminds the people of God's faithfulness to his covenant promises. And it's important for us as we begin this book to realize that that's what Moses is doing here in these first four chapters. That we don't miss the way this book begins. Because Moses begins rehearsing all the history of Israel and God's faithfulness to him, to them. And he's reminding them so that they might be obedient to the law as they enter the land. And only after he's reminded them of God's covenant faithfulness does he then, in chapters 4 through 26, present the law to them, expounding to them, calling them to fidelity and obedience to God. But why does he begin this way? Why does he use this format? It's because grace always precedes human obligation of faith. One pastor puts it this way. He says, Deuteronomy is a theological manifesto calling on Israel to respond to God's grace with unreserved loyalty and love. Obedience to the law was not a means of gaining salvation, but a willing and grateful response to salvation already received. Having been chosen, redeemed, and granted covenant relationship with God, his people will gladly demonstrate wholehearted allegiance to him and wholehearted obedience. You see what he's saying? He's saying that love and obedience go together. Love is displayed through the actions of obedience. Jesus himself said, if you love me, do what? Obey my commands. That's how you show your love for me, 
in obedience to what I'm calling you to? Do we see our obedience to Christ, our call to live holy and righteous lives, do we see that as an expression of love and gratitude for all that God has done for us in Christ? Or do we see it as mere obligation, duty, that we're bound? Paul, writing to the Corinthians, as he talks about the grace and the promises that they've received, he says this in 2 Corinthians 7, since we have these promises, beloved, Let us cleanse ourselves from every defilement of body and spirit, bringing holiness to completion in the fear of the Lord. Paul is saying the degree to which you grasp God's undeserved, lavish, always and forever love is the degree to which you will respond with grateful obedience to God's word and his calling on your life. And so as we talk about the desire and the need for spiritual renewal both individually and as a church, I think it's helpful for us to see renewal in this idea of dependency and resiliency. Because as we'll see in the study of Deuteronomy, they're gonna face some really hard, difficult things as they enter into the land. They will battle some big dudes, the sons of Anakin who were giants in the land, warriors that they would have to go up against. And they would also face cultural temptations to bow down and embrace pagan worship and all the things that were going on against God's will there. I was, want to congratulate uh, my fellow Ole Miss brothers and sisters on the College World Series Championship. I was listening to uh, Mike Bianco, the Ole Miss coach, and he was talking after the game before they were headed to Omaha to compete for the College World Series And he said this to his guys as they were preparing to make that trek to Omaha. He said, guys, don't just go to Omaha to show up. Go there to win. Similarly, Moses is saying to this next generation as he's given this pregame talk as they're heading into the promised land, he's saying, when you get into the promised land, don't just be happy that you're there. You have work to do to secure this land and make it yours. Undertake that work with great joy, knowing that I'm doing it with you and for you. As we'll see in this study, God doesn't say to his people, all right, I've taken care of the bad guys. I've cleaned up the place. Here's the key. Enjoy your new home. Now, that would have been a whole lot easier for them to do that, for God to do that for them and save them all kinds of heartache. But similarly, God doesn't look at our lives and clear the path and make it a cakewalk and say, enjoy Why? Because he wants his people to display faith and dependence upon himself, moment by moment, day by day. Through the power of the Spirit and by his grace, he's seeking to build in us dependent resiliency in our hearts to face each and every temptation and trial that he puts before us. There are things that are going on in many of our lives this morning that we're saying, God, this is not the right time for this. I can't handle this. And God's saying, trust me. Trust my timing. Trust my goodness to you. And trust my presence with you and my power in you to walk faithfully through this. And so whether it's any of the cultural pressures that we're facing related to trying to accumulate all kinds of worldly possessions as we look at one another and see what each other has and doesn't have, or the ideas and the temptations surrounding sexuality, or whether it's trying to align with a political party and tribe, 
or the illnesses that we're facing, the doubts that we're experiencing, whatever it may be, each of these things is an opportunity to strengthen our faith and to build perseverance through increased dependence upon God so that when we do fail, when we do give in to temptation and it does result in sin, it doesn't derail our faith. These moments actually cause us to run quickly and boldly to Jesus for his forgiveness and to be reminded of his deep love for us yet again as his child. Paul describes this in 2 Corinthians 4. He says when these moments happen, we don't lose heart because inwardly our spirit is being renewed day after day. God has given a promise to his people. He says this land is yours. But Israel was to act by faith and obedience, by going into the land, trusting in God's power and presence to drive out their enemies so the land would be theirs. God demands his people as they enter this land that they take seriously the internal compulsion towards sin and their cultural impulsivity to embrace the different, the culture, the new. And he's calling us to do the same. Because the cultural pressures that you and I are facing today are not that much different. They're just as prevalent and just as pressing upon our hearts. And despite, and despite all the competitors to our affections, God despises every one of them. And he wants us for himself. And he wants us to despise them as well and fight back against them. This land is a gift to his people to be received by faith. And while yes, it was a physical location change for Israel, it was actually an invitation, an invitation to come and experience heart change so they might renew their covenant with God. And like Israel, God's calling us too this morning to recommit our lives, that we would return to our first love as it were, as John says in Revelation 2. Why are you all here? Why are we here this morning? It's because King Jesus has summoned us to covenant renewal together that we can hear again and have wash over our minds and our hearts the good news of Christ so that this week we might be empowered to leave more renewed and more dependent and resilient than we were last week in our commitment to Christ and engagement with his mission. As we'll see through this study, covenant renewal always happens as God's people remember their identity and then as they respond obediently to his graciously given law, thereby reaping the benefits of his enduring promises. See, heartfelt love of God is the only adequate response to the covenant because heartfelt love can only serve as the foundation for true obedience to God and true worship in his presence. So this table that we have set before us, it's a sign, it's a gift, it's a reminder of redemptive history, of what Christ did in coming in our behalf, dying on a cross to release us from the bondage of sin that we might enjoy the promises that he's made to his people. And so the Lord in this supper invites us to experience renewal as we're nourished on his body that is given to us, on his blood that was shed for us. So let us come and be nourished and fed this morning as we come to the table. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in the midst of rebellion, of going our own way, of repeated offenses against you, that you did not turn from us, 
that you kept your promises in the covenant, that you are calling your people back to fidelity and obedience to yourself, for that is the way of flourishing that you've designed us to experience. And so, Lord, may we see that and see your goodness in every bit of it. And as we journey through this book of Deuteronomy, would you allow us to see, even from our brothers and sisters gone long before us, how we may walk faithfully in your sight, trusting in your power and presence with us for all that lies ahead that we don't know about, yet that you will reveal so that we might enjoy your faithfulness to us in the midst of it and also might enjoy it in fullness as you return one day so that we might experience unhindered brokenness, death, and everything else that sin brings with you in your presence for all eternity. We pray this now in the matchless name of Christ, our Savior.